This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. We were thrilled to receive interest from far and wide and to speak with several candidates who met our criteria. Ultimately, Dan Lanning stood out among the rest. Every game, every story. I appreciate your faith in me, and I promise to repay that faith with sweat in the bucket. Scoop Duck owner Justin Hopkins and Matt Bagley from 96.1 580 The Game. Matt Bagley joined by Justin Hopkins. Uh, It is signing day recap. It's an annual tradition here for us. Day after signing day, we look at all the names that Oregon announced, and we talk about those names, and we introduce those names for those of us that aren't diehards, and for those of us who are diehards, we we try to put all those names in some perspective. What's the impact they're going to make at Oregon? Where do we see their fit? And oh, by the way, we usually get a pretty good interview on this pod, so stay tuned for that. Um, seven names for the Ducks. I want to start with this number, my friend. In years past, we might be talking about 15 kids signing on the dotted line or 20 kids signing on the dotted line. Only seven names that seems like a failure. Uh, what do you think about that seven? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, is it is it twenty or fifteen or twenty five? And and you know, ducks make a a big push on signing day and 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 bring in a bunch of guys. No, you know, it was uh, you know by and large it was lackluster. You know, if we're using that as the metric. Um, you know, it certainly didn't live up to that, but it, it, it really, it couldn't have, and it shouldn't have. And, and I think the biggest thing to me is, you know, that it could have gone sideways on Oregon. Uh, you know, it could have been a lot worse. You know, you could have lost, you know, most, the, most of your remaining commits that you had, which was around 11 or 12, uh, you know, as the day, as the day went on. But, uh, for me, uh, you know, one of the things with coach landing, he's 35, he's young, never been a head coach. So we all have questions, right? We have we have questions about that inexperience. And I, and I think to me, it really showed a lot of poise and a lot of patience for him not to try and rush around and sign a bunch of guys. And, and all of a sudden, you know, some two star out of Florida that had two offers, you know, ends up signing with Oregon. Those are precious spots. There's a lot of a lot of scholarships on the roster now. There's not a lot of room for new bodies. And so I, I think he exercised a lot of patience. Um, like a seasoned veteran should do. And, and for me, you know, signing six, seven, you know, uh, guys, I know it was seven, but just somewhere around that number, I think it showed that there's a nice little strong base there, you know, got some bodies on the defensive line, which I really like. And, uh, you know, obviously for me as somebody, you know, that runs a business in recruiting sets us up for a little bit more of an exciting January. So I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah, yeah. We we talked about this on the pod we recorded Tuesday, but I, I think it's not as big or splashy of a signing day haul as years past, but it might be a more flexible haul, right? Only signing seven, that gives Dan Lanning and his staff a, a little wiggle room to maybe pick up some guys in the remainder of the signing window, or maybe we see Oregon active in the transfer portal. Well, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would like to believe, and, and of course we have no way of, of really knowing this by any way of confirmation, but I'd like to believe that, that Coach Lanning maybe feels that that's the case. Hey, let me let me not just load this thing up and really restrict myself in January or through the transfer portal. Let me, 
you know, get these few guys that I think, you know, can help us. Let's get them locked in and let's, you know, let's build out the rest of this roster kind of the way we want to. And, uh, yeah, like you said, we don't know his tendencies yet, right? We don't know what, you know, we, with Mario Cristobal, we could probably make some educated guesses, right? We, we, we kind of would know his from his personality and, and, and what he's done in the past, you know, what he might do. Uh, with Coach Landing, we don't have that. You know, it's a, a first-time head coach, new guy that not many of us really knew about about a week ago, uh, a week and a half ago. And so, yeah, we kind of want to see his tendencies. But I would I would very much think that he's going to get back to Eugene, uh, kind of, you know, look over this roster, look where there might be some holes, look look what needs to be fixed. Uh, and and, I, and it, from what we've seen from the transfer portal so far, uh, I wouldn't blame him one bit for wanting to jump in that a little bit and, and plug a few holes on this roster for Oregon. No doubt. And we'll, we'll talk about where those holes can be plugged, meaning what positions Oregon might target. Uh, we'll talk about the players that Oregon signed yesterday and what they bring to the table in depth, name by name. But um, every year we get a big guest. And we have a guest waiting to jump in on the chat right now. You hear those sound effects going on. Uh, in, in a minute, we will get you Don Johnson on the Oregon staff. Okay, so every year we get a big guest, somebody tied into the Oregon program that can tell us about signing day. This year, this pod's no different. We have Don Johnson, the director of player personnel and director of recruiting at the University of Oregon. Uh, Coach... Tell us about the madness of signing day yesterday. Walk the fans through the work that you and your staff put in to to get these guys signed on the dotted line for the Ducks. You know, it, it wasn't really madness. It was it was just based off relationships and trust. Um, and you know, the tough part about it is some of the guys in the class have relationships and trust with assistant coaches or coaches that could be leaving. So, you know, the guys that we had consistent conversations with and they got to know a lot about Oregon and the school and toured the school, talked about their major, seen, you know, the, the different facilities and the things that they wanted to see as far as being a duck, they stuck with it. And so I think the relationships that were built and the, the, the actual visits and, and, and the, the continued conversations showed yesterday. Uh, coach, you know, our, you know, yeah. I don't think many were expecting a bunch of splash from yesterday, given the timeline of coach Cristobal's departure and coach Lanning's arrival. Uh, so I, you know, for me, I think all things considered, everything went pretty well. Um, how did you kind of feel just kind of grading, you know, the class and what the coaches were able to do in, in basically less than a week on kind of getting those seven signatures on the line? Um, I just felt like that, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a good job. There, there were some positions, you know, need specific situations that we needed to handle. We got to, we got a couple good D linemen in the boat, and that was an area where we wanted to address. And we also got, you know, a, a, a great corner and a couple other guys that were big time on our board. And just to, to get some of those guys that were hiring our board and that we had, you know, expected, anticipated to be Ducks to sign and, and, and follow through, it was, it was a great feeling. Um, I want to start with, we'd like to go over all seven, seven signatures with you, and it doesn't need to be uh, super in-depth, but I'd like to start with the last one first, which was Jaleel Tucker. Uh, I believe that was the last signature that was announced. It might have been Anthony Jones, but uh, Jaleel Tucker, uh, big-time defensive back down in San Diego, long-time commit. I know yourself, Coach Chance, and some of the others were working on him. You know, I don't think many felt that he was going to sign yesterday. How did that one kind of come about, and, and what's your feeling on Jaleel? What's he bring to the table? 
you know, I felt like J- Jalil, um, you know, he wanted to be a duck. Um, he's, he's been involved with our program and, you know, he's, he's also been to the school and took his visit and stuff like that. And I felt like when coach Lanning came and seeing the, the style of defense that a guy that runs a sub 10, five still feels like he's, he's in a good situation, but man to man. So he was a big need when you have speedy corners like that and in, in, in scenarios where you play a certain style of defense and he felt, he felt like it was still a fit. So it, it was a good situation for us. Um, I, I, again, I can't remember if it was Tucker that was last or, or Anthony Jones, but Anthony Jones, obviously the surprise commit of the day. I know Duck fans were pretty excited about that one. Uh, Sir Mel is obviously his teammate, longtime commit with Oregon. How'd that one kind of come around and, and what is, uh, you know, what does, uh, Anthony Jones bring to the table? Anthony Jones is a great football player. Um, we've been talking to Anthony. I, I consistently talked to Anthony throughout this process when we first offered him, when he was committed to university of Washington and decommitted, um, Texas was was definitely in the play, but you get a guy that's 6'5", 246 pounds, and as physical as as can be, um, he was a, he was a big big you know prize for us, and we we had been recruiting him and stayed recruiting him and kept a relationship with his family, and you know Sir was a big deal as well, being his best friend and teammate, and so at the last second he had a change of heart, and we were we were we were happy he did. Yeah, that was a that was a for, fortunate pounce for sure. Um, and like we all know, you can never have too many big bodies on the uh, on the line of scrimmage. Uh, linebacker, I'm going to just kind of go down the list here now. Linebacker Devin Jackson uh, out of Nebraska, four star, good looking, athletic kid. Obviously got the pedigree. Uh, what do you kind of see from him, and how's he fit with co- with what Coach Landing wants to do? Devin Jackson um, is a special player. He um, when you get a kid that big and that that long with that much length that runs ten five. I mean, there's a lot of things he can do. You know, you look at a, a coach coming from the SEC, he, he has that SEC style of speed and play and all the characteristics. So, I mean, he's a big still for us. And I, and I think he'll be an impactful player on special teams and along with the defense real quick. Uh, possibly uh, one of the more, more more unheralded guys, I think, in this class for, for Oregon, uh, uh, linebacker Harrison Taggart out of Utah. We know Coach Cristobal loved to try and set up shop out there in Utah while he was here. What do you kind of see from from uh, Harrison Taggart and what's he bringing to the table for Oregon? Same thing, man. We got a lot of speed in this class, a lot of guys. I mean, we have, you get Harrison Taggart and Devin Jackson and Jaleel Tucker out there. That's a four by 100 team that, that wins most <laughs> days in high school. Wow. Uh, and and just to have that guy, another guy like that, that is rangy and, and, and can run and, and is relentless and also from a great program in Corner Canyon. Um, it was It was a big deal for us. And you know, Jackson's on our team, one of his high school teammates, and just a great family. And their family stuck through the process with us, with us and we were happy to have that happen as well. Uh, quite possibly one of my favorite guys that, that, that uh, you know, that Oregon was able to sign yesterday, but uh, Salt Lake City, Ben Roberts, defensive lineman, kind of a nasty-looking guy. I know Coach Cristobal likes to use that, that term, knockback, and it very much reminds me of him. What do you see from Ben Roberts and, and uh, you know, how, how – how difficult was that one reeling him in? I know Nebraska made a late push there as well. I think uh, J.R. Mawala had a great relationship with the family. Um, we also had a coach Joe did a great job with him as well. And, you know, he came out here, he seen it and, he, you know, he stuck to the course and his high school coach was a big, big deal in it. Coach Maddox, he, he, he um, you know, came as well on the visit and loved what he seen with Oregon. That was his first time out here. So we just, con- we, we stayed consistent with him. And um, he is a dog. He's he's what we're used to seeing. We play Utah. And they got those big guys like that up front. And we're glad to have one ourselves. No doubt. That's a 
a part of any championship team. Uh, one guy that that'll I think fans might want to hear a little bit more about is, is Sierra Canyon's uh, Michael Wooten, uh, offensive lineman. Kind of just a little bit under the radar, didn't get talked about a lot. Not a big social media guy. Pretty keeps to himself. What, you know, what should fans expect from from Michael Wooten? I think that you know that was a guy that was offered by you know Coach Cristobal and Coach Maribal and. When you have a 6'6", 300-pound lineman offered by those guys, they do a good job of just evaluating talent. So um, we stuck with him. Uh, he stuck with us, and it just worked out for us. I mean, he could have went a lot of different places, and I think he's going to be a guy that you know gets in the weight room, puts a little more on, and he's going to be special. Uh, last but certainly not least, probably a fan favorite, I would say, uh, Sir Mel's defensive lineman out of Liberty in Nevada. Longtime commit. Uh, without looking, I think he might be the, the longest standing commit uh, that did sign yesterday uh, from this class. Uh, very, very likable young man, very public on social media. You know, what should fans be excited about about Sir Mel's? Sir Mel's is a big body. I mean, he's six three and a half almost six four 330 pounds and i mean if you're a fan of oregon you know we need guys in the trenches to be in there and we need bigger bodies and he gives us that i mean we've been looking for guys like him and he brings a great personality to the team the guys in the locker room already know him because he's been here so many times so it was a big deal and we're happy to have that too as well um, I know that uh, it's ongoing, and just a reminder to the listeners, you know, as Coach Johnson works for University of Oregon, he's not allowed to talk about players that have not signed with Oregon, so I want to make sure uh, the listeners understand that. We wouldn't ask that of him. But moving forward in a general manner, what do you feel? I know Coach uh, Lanning needs to get back out to Oregon and probably assess some things, but what's kind of the biggest needs? What's maybe a little bit of the game plan moving forward for Oregon in terms of recruiting? That's tough to say because you get a new staff coming in and there's different schemes and things schematically where, you know, they might like something different than the last staff. So, you know, Coach Landing will come in. He's making some great hires, got some good people that he's talking to right now. And when that happens, you know, those guys will, you know, use their own eyes and their own trust their eyes and look for the things they're, they're you know, they're, they're looking for as far as that schematically. So that's a, that's a hard question to answer. I know all the guys that, you know, we signed and, that continued to stay with his class. He watched, he came in, man, he grinded. He watched everybody in the class. He tried to meet everybody on the team and the guy's a grinder. And so that's the biggest thing. I think when we get the rest of the people in here and the, and the, and the new staff, we'll, we'll reevaluate the board and evaluate what we need, what's needed now for what we're trying to do. Next step is, uh, well, I know there's a couple remaining that could sign uh, between now and Friday, but next step after that, uh, it, it sounds like hitting the ground running in January. Is that kind of the, the bigger goal at hand when you get the staff in place? Oh, we want, we're running now. I mean, we've already hit the ground. We've got to keep running. So we got a lot to do to, you know, keep this thing moving. And we've set a high standard here at University of Oregon, and, we, you know, we want to maintain that. So we're never going to stop hit running. For, for us, we had a pretty limited window, and us, I mean media and fans, we had a pretty limited window uh, with Coach Lanning. Obviously, his time's valuable. He's trying to win a national championship with Georgia. Very understandable. But, you know, you were probably the, the person around him the most that interacted with him the most in his time here, one-on-one, uh, face-to-face. Uh, just some of your impressions from Coach Lanning and what, what can Duck fans expect from him? Uh, he's a grinder, man. I mean, the last uh, – Coach Cristobal was a great coach, taught me a lot, and I just feel, I honestly feel like that. I just changed the phone number in my phone. I mean, they're both the same <laughs> guy. They're, they're both, they don't sleep. They grind. They're hardworking men, good family men. And, you know, they're, it's, they're about team, man, and getting better and making people better. And it's, it's crazy to see how much of a grinder he is. He is a grinder. And, and 
you know, I felt it right away and I felt like it was good for me. And that's why, you know, it was impactful enough for me to, you know, I wanted to stay here in the first place, but it was a great situation for me, a fit for me. And, you know, he's nonstop. He's on top of it. And, you know, he's, it's every every second of the day. This dude grinds. And, and, I, and I love I love working for people like that. You said you wanted to stay here. Why did you want to stay here? I was a duck before I became a duck. I mean, I'm a duck fan. I'm a duck person. And I want to win a national championship at University of Oregon. I, I really don't have the means or the heart for any other school. So that's just how it's been for me. Um, you know, I was a high school coach in, in, in Portland before I came here. And I never really liked the guys that wore the orange and black down the street. And this is, <laughs> this is how I've rolled. And I'll continue to roll this way. Well, luckily, you like J.R. Mawala enough to bring him down with you from Corvallis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, J.R.'s good peeps, too. Yeah. Uh, Coach, uh, we won't keep you too much longer here. But, uh, you know, in terms of, of, you know, where this class is at, um, you know, what, what are maybe some of the bigger holes remaining that you think uh, Coach Lanning might look to address? Uh, I don't know if there's holes remaining. There's just depth in certain areas. Um, I can I can still see you know that we'll 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 definitely need to be a little deeper at corner. Um, that's that's one of those areas, and you and and you can never you can never ever ever go away from bigs. So we're looking. We'll always look for bigs. You know, because Chris Bosch always said there's a reason that heavyweight boxers don't fight lightweights, and so we always need heavyweight boxers. And and that's you know we're we're we'll we'll always look for bigs and and to be big up front so we can manhandle this conference and play with the other conferences. So that's, that's the goal. One of my favorite stories, I've told it before, Coach Cristobal has spoken many times, but one of his favorite stories with Nick Saban is, you know, how come we, we recruit the bigger guys and not the little guys? And that, you know, the separation of weight classes in boxing, you don't have the big guys boxing the little guys. And that was one of his better analogies in his time. Um, as we wrap up here, Coach, I think one more question uh, for you, and we'll send you off. You know, you've been around the team. I know you're you're kind of a glue guy. You know a lot of the guys. They respect you, look up to you. Coach Landing came in. I know met with them once or twice, I believe. What's just kind of been the immediate reaction from the uh, current players in Eugene on meeting Coach Landing and, and, and what he's going to bring to the table for Oregon? Uh, well, the one thing, you know, with these guys that have been recruited and, and the, the previous staff recruited them, these kids, they recognize real. And so they see through the BS and they recognize real. When Coach Landing came in, that's what he did. He sat with each one of them. He, you know, grinded from almost 4 a.m. to midnight and, and set up meetings with each player. And he just he just was real with them. And and so they see that they, you know, he didn't come in with any bluff art or, or any make believe story. He's just a good dude, man. And he came in and sat down and just put it out there and put it real. So when our players see that, they 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 kind of they mold to it, man. So that that was the biggest thing. Just being real with these guys and having a plan and, and showing them a way to execute the plan. And they, they all bought in quick and, and it, it's, it's getting good and it's going to be good. Well, you got to think coach landing's pretty excited. I know Georgia has a, a loaded team, but Oregon's got a young loaded team as well. So he walks into a pretty good situation. Uh, coach Johnson, we know your time is valuable and we really truly appreciate you coming on and, and shedding some light on this class. I know it's probably been an interesting couple of weeks for you personally, uh, but we'd love to have you on again maybe uh, in February when, once the second half of the class is signed as well. Yeah, I appreciate you guys, man. I think all the hard work you do and, and, and all the stuff you guys do for our program as well. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach Johnson. All right, you guys have a great one. I forgot that he was a high school coach in Oregon. I, I totally yeah. – I feel bad. Like like younger Matt Bagley is slapping Matt Bagley in the back of my head going, you should have asked him about Madison and uh, and his time in the O-preps because he was a pretty darn good high school football coach up here.
Yeah, yeah, he he definitely got it done, and uh, you know, I'm certain that was a big reason, you know, for him, you know, to kind of parlay parlay that into the into the college football coaching world. That's usually how that goes. Yeah, yeah, like like that program, and I could I could get into the weeds here. the The conference that he coached in is one of the hardest conferences to win in Oregon, and yet he dominated that conference every year. And then would turn around, go into the state playoffs, and have a good team in the state playoffs every year. Even when he only had like a fraction of the budget. Say, you know, Jesuit would have all these incredible scholarship kids from all over the Northwest living in their dorms. Or, uh, you know, take your pick of, of Lake Oswego on the east side or, or one of the nice schools on the west side that would get all these transfers in one year because of their AAU connection. And then his Madison team with a bunch of kids in the city would hang with them. That was a pretty good program. Yeah, no. And again, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I know that that served him well, you know, in recruiting Oregon's done really well, you know, recruiting a lot of the in-state guys and, and, and coach Johnson's been, you know, a big part of that. Of course, those guys are going to be interested in Oregon to begin with, but yeah. uh, you know, still, you, you still got to recruit them and, and, and ultimately get them to sign when it comes down to it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I liked in that interview, and and, and I'll go kind of beneath the curtain a little bit here. When I'm preparing for an interview, I write down two or three questions. And I know you're the same way. A lot of writers are this way. You write down two or three questions, and then you follow up on those questions. You just kind of have a conversation the rest of the way. What I loved about that interview is – he hit all those questions for us. Like I was going to ask him about, you know, your relationship and your impression with coach Lanning. And he came right off the bat and talked about realness and, and grinding. Like it it really is authentic when you don't even have to ask him about it. He just tells you about it. Yeah, no, you're right. Instead of, you know, kind of leading him into an answer or leading him into a conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, it's boom, it's right there. You know, Hey, this, this guy, he's genuine. He's legit. You know, there's a reason that the, the players are excited about him and and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I know in, in years past, we've been fortunate to do, you know, this podcast and, and, and other podcasts with Coach Cristobal or maybe some of the assistants. But, I mean, Coach Johnson's really <laughs> kind of the only one there. It's Coach Johnson and Coach Lanning. You know, there are the other, uh, you know, support staff in right. place. You know, you heard him mention J.R. Mawala, who remains there. But but those guys are very much, you know, kind of in flux, uh, so to speak, until they're kind of certain that, you know, you know what the the head coach's vision is going to be. So, right. you know, it, it, it didn't really feel like, you know, we could interview, uh, let's just say, for instance, a, a Coach McClendon or a Coach Mastro, somebody that's still in Eugene, but very much kind of in limbo. We don't really know, you know, what their future is one way or the other. Um, at least with Coach Johnson, you know, we're fortunate that that's a guy that was there under Coach Cristobal for the last couple of years, you know, kind of knew knew a lot of these guys already, of course, built those relationships. And then, you know, obviously when Coach Lanning spent the, you know, 48-ish hours that he had in Eugene, uh, you know, him and him and Coach Johnson were, were, I would wager, you know, tied at the hip, you know, kind of going over recruits and going over the team and things like that. So, you know, very valuable to get his insight uh, as you and I kind of navigate really just kind of a little bit of a weird period in Oregon football. Yeah, it is a weird period. Like you mentioned Brian McClendon, who's the interim head coach for the bowl game. 
I, I would be willing to bet he's focused on the bowl game. He's focused on game plan for this game, lead practice, you know, run run uh, through all the weight regimen, all of that facet, uh, plug as many holes as you can on the staff because some of those guys are already gone, and then focus on your future after the bowl game, right? Like like you said, there's not really room for him to think about recruiting. Yeah, you know, and it's tough. You know, you you, you obviously as those guys go, like just for instance, Coach McClendon or, or, or Coach Chance or, or Coach Vastro, you know, you're very much really doing whatever uh, the head coach asks you. And the head coach might, you know, is, is more than likely, you know, coach brought him out, came out and sat them down and said, hey, what's your, you know, what's your, what's your position here? Are you wanting to stay? Do you have other opportunities? You know, they had those conversations, which we, of course, are not privy to. Right. Um, you know, so based on those conversations, you're probably leaning on, you know, the, the guys that are here to help you recruit that you think might stay or whatnot. Um, if other guys have other opportunities, you're probably not going to lean on them as heavily. Um, you know, like you said, Coach McClendon, I think his future is up in the air. You know, I've been told, um, you know, that he has options. He, uh, you know, I think uh, I think Coach Lanning very much would love to keep him in Eugene. Uh, I'm I am certain that Mario Cristobal has made an offer for him to join that staff, but I believe he has other offers as well besides those two. So, you know, he's a pretty coveted guy. Um, but like you said, you really, you know, you really want to hunker down because um, most of these coaches are going to feel like they owe it to the players to be focused, you know, getting them ready in practice, making sure they're watching film on Oklahoma, um, you know, so that the bowl game isn't, uh, you know, isn't a dud or isn't a blowout. Hopefully you're competitive at the very least. Yeah, yeah. At least recover an onside kick or two, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, th- there's there's one more takeaway from that conversation with Don Johnson, uh, Oregon Director of Recruiting. He talked about how right now, even, even if his hands weren't tied by the administration, right, even if there wasn't a rule in the Oregon administration – and, and in compliance with the NCAA, that you can't talk about players you're you haven't signed. Um, he still wouldn't be able to tell a lot because his job is so collaborative. He's leaning on Dan Lanning and Kenny Dillingham and the 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 rest of the new staff when they come in in January. He's leaning on them to work together and and find players that they want. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Coach Johnson's job, you know, is obviously recruiting related. And, uh, you know, it's it's very rare that he's going to be, you know, the guy that decides who Oregon, you know, does and doesn't sign. But right now, I'm sure, you know, Coach Lanning's leaning on him a little heavier uh, you know, then I would say usually just because he's back in Georgia, you know, Johnson's kind of the glue guy that that knows the current staff and has spent the most time with Coach Lanning. Uh, you know, he's got that contract in place that says he'll remain at Oregon. So, yeah, I think he's probably doing a little bit more uh, than you would normally see. But, um, you know, for a guy, I, I very much believe that a guy like Coach Johnson uh, in his current role is, is striving and working to take that next step you know, in the college football world. And that next step is, you know, becoming a, a GA or becoming an analyst or possibly becoming a position coach, which we've, you know, seen happen before. Um, the last, you know, the last one that that had his, one of the last ones that had his stand 
uh, prior to leaving that, that held the same position. Uh, Stephen Field went down to Miami uh, and became a position coach and a very strong recruiter you know, on that staff down there. Pretty sure Mario Cristobal is going to keep him down there. They have that relationship already, but he was down at Miami. Uh, you know, so I think that Coach Johnson might very well, you know, be working really hard, you know, to try and take that next step in his career, if I'm making a bet. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think that career is going to be a good one. Um, we, we asked him his thoughts on those seven names. Uh, now, now you, my friend, out of those seven names, who impresses you the most? Um, you know, I'm really excited about Ben Roberts. Uh, you know, I'm always going to be a defensive line kind of guy. Uh, you know, love having the beef on the line of scrimmage. I think he's just kind of one of those, you know, just nasty, get get in there, work hard, outwork the offensive linemen, just, you know, push them back, push them out of the way kind of guys. Is he a is he a flashy cave on Thibodeau off the edge? No, that's not his style. He's definitely not that type of player, but you know, to have those big, uh, you know, the big uglies in the middle of your defensive line. You know, I think he's very much in line with that. Um, you know, it's a guy that Washington had recruited early on and and had a commitment from. Um, clearly, that was somebody that Oregon had identified that they'd like to have. So, you know, they were able to get him on campus and, and get him to change, you know, his his commitment from Washington to Oregon at some point. So um, that's one that I really like. I, I also think, and I, I, I believe coach Johnson mentioned this, uh, you know, Jaleel Tucker, uh, you know, that's it. Oregon needs oh, help yeah. in the secondary. Um, they just do. So, you know, DJ James hopped in the portal, you know, folks are wondering if Verone McKinley is going to return. Will McHale Wright return? You know, you're, you're, you're down several starters, uh, you know, with this team, and you weren't very deep to begin with. So I think, you know, for me, a guy like Jaleel Tucker, if he's as good as advertised, he's probably going to walk his way into, we'll just call it some playing time uh, nearly right away at Oregon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anytime you have a six foot corner, right, that that's usually, um, you know, one of the one of the hurdles that gets cleared instantly. Are you tall enough? Are you big enough? OK, six foot 180. You can play on the boundary. The other thing I love about Jaleel, and and some might roll their eyes when I say this because I'm, I'm certainly biased to that part of the country. I've got family there, but I don't think people consider just how much of a high school football hotbed San Diego is. Aside from say you know the uh, the the prep schools in L.A. right your your modern days of the world, San Diego might be the best region of high school football in America. Yeah, it's it, it's it's actually you know uh, it's funny because it's you know San Diego is SoCal right, but you say SoCal and everybody just think thinks of Los Angeles right right you know so the. These coaches fly into LAX and and hit the, you know, the modern days and the St. John Bosco's and, the you know, the powerhouses that are within that, you know, 60 mile radius there, 50, 40 mile radius and uh, kind of overlook San Diego. And there's some really good football players down in, down in San Diego, uh, as well as Northern California. You know, you often get quite a few guys in the Bay, you know, Bay Area, uh, Sacramento Bay Area, and, and you'd get some guys and, and, and quite frankly, uh, you know, Oregon back in the chip days, Bellotti days, uh, early health days, really made a living out of Northern California and San Diego and Hawaii. Those were three, you know, areas that they did a really good job recruiting um, and finding talent. So, um, you know, yeah, to me, those always kind of hold a special place in my heart because, yeah, there is more talent than many, many 
give it credit for down there. Yeah. Yeah. And we've said the same thing about Las Vegas, uh, Henderson, a suburb of Vegas for, for Sir Mel's and Anthony Jones. I, I think we can say that's another extremely talented area that uh, Oregon clearly got their pick from. Uh, yes. Yeah. Down in San Diego, uh, Vegas. Oh, Vegas. Oh, yeah, this year. Yeah, this year they, they definitely did. Although, uh, you know, they're in the mix of Cyrus Moss still. Uh, it sounds like he'll he'll announce or decide on Friday. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, Vegas is another one. Uh, you know, Bishop Gorman's down there. Um, and, but, yeah, with Sir Mel's and Anthony Jones, the Ducks were able to pull two out of there. Uh, ironically, both of those players were committed to Washington at one point in their recruitments. So the two of them, along with Ben Roberts, give Oregon three signees that were at one point Washington commits in this class. Yeah, yeah. And and Husky fan might say, well, you know, we didn't want them. But I, I bet if they had those three guys, they'd be doing backflips. Yeah, I was, you know, uh, obviously a lot's happened up there, you know, since that point, you know, the the, de- the decision to move on from Jimmy Lake, hiring Kalen DeBoer, you know, who knows if, if he would have decided those were the right guys for him. I found it absolutely mind boggling that he came out yesterday in his press conference and said they're, they're going to be choosy and picky with scholarship offers that they make at Washington, because clearly that formula has worked very well for well, not only the the Washington predecessors before him, but but others that have gone that route. So yeah. uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for him. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I I believe that if you would you know if if they if they weren't Oregon commits or Oregon signees, you know Washington fans would be pretty excited to have all three of those defensive line guys added to their team. But you know since they're ducks, I I assume that they're probably dead to them now. It's the Stanford strategy. You can only offer so many guys, Notre Dame as well, and the Ivies. It's it's almost like that Jimmy Lake press conference is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I I can't believe that that Kalen DeBoer came out and said that. It it clearly, you know, kicked Jimmy Lake's butt. Uh, it did not serve and has not served Chip Kelly all that well. Um, it's really only worked in one spot and that's at Texas when Mac Brown was there and coming off a lot of winning seasons, but that's about the only time uh, that, it, that it's really served anyone. Well, I guess you could maybe argue USC in the heyday was able to do it a little bit with the SoCal talent, but overall uh, it's pretty much a recipe for disaster, but uh, you know what? I guess that's Washington's problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one last thing on this class, I, I could have asked this to Don Johnson, but I really liked the rhythm we had going there, um, and, and I, I didn't want to ruin it. I notice Salt Lake City, Draper, you know, some Utah communities on this list of uh, the players that signed. And we hit on this very briefly in that interview, but Mario Cristobal, when he was at Oregon, he really tried to make a push to to go into the mountains there and find talent in Utah. Do you think they've uh, improved on that? Like, do you see growth in that direction where Oregon can now say, "Hey, we plant our flag there in Utah, and we can get the best athletes out of that state." It certainly feels that way. Um, you know, I mean, obviously with Coach Cristobal, you had the, the tightness with the Sewell family, um, you know, really developed Panay Sewell, and, and he's had success with the, with the Lions now. Um, you know, then you bring in Noah Sewell, and, and he's done a really good job. So, you know, I think that that was a major, you know, if you will, a planting of the flag and, and, and you know, springboarded a lot of that success. But, 
you know, a lot of that was, you know, based on Coach Cristobal and, and, the, and the ties with the Sewell family. I would imagine Coach Landing smart enough to know that, you know, he needs to come in and build that relationship of, you know, of his own with them um, because they are massively important to this, the, to the success of recruiting that state. Wow. Okay. All right. I, I just burned through every question I had for him. I burned through every question I had for you. Um, is there anything else that you want to let people know about this class? Um, you know, no, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, I think there's some that are pretty realistic about, you know, the expectations for this class, uh, you know, what, what Oregon needed to sign, um, you know, getting several of those maybe uh, higher rated commits, you know, signed. I think there's, I think there's people that are reasonable um, and appreciate that. I think there's some that, that, you know, just kind of, feel like it was lackluster and, and didn't, you know, didn't deliver, um, you know, which, you know, on, on some hand it, it did not, but um, really I, 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 again, I think it showed a lot of poise and patience um, by coach Lanning not to rush out and just, you know, start trying to sign guys to make sure they got to the roster and beef up their recruiting numbers. Um, I won't offer many criticisms of Mario Cristobal even now, but I would say that that was an area that he seemed to, you know, might maybe have a little bit of a struggle with, you know, he, he was, uh, I don't want to call him a star chaser, but he definitely was, um, you know, a rankings gazer a little bit, right. if you will. Right. Uh, and a little obsessed with where the, where the class stacked up. Um, not a bad thing. I totally get it. I understand it. It's kind of recruiting warfare. Um, but I, I do appreciate, you know, coach Lanning's approach like hey we need to make sure we get the right guys the guys that fit what we're trying to do let's just be patient here so um yeah i know i've already kind of mentioned those thoughts but i thought i'd echo them again and uh you know again last but not least you know we're going to go into the month of january and and oregon's got some room to hit the transfer portal or continue recruiting uh and i'm genuinely excited about that it's usually pretty pretty dry for me in the month of january covering recruiting you get maybe a half dozen uh, you know, official visitors at best uh, during that time, which can be pretty boring while the other, while other schools are, are loading up and having lots of discussion. So um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of exciting and invigorated to cover this new coaching staff and, and the recruiting into the month of January. Yeah. Yeah. We were joking about it off air the other day. Uh, uncertainty is good for our lines of work for sure. Um, you know, I, I'll leave you with this. It's something I said on my show last week after Mario Cristobal left for Miami. Some coaches want to win signing day. And and Mario Cristobal, I, I, I put him on the top of that list, right? Every assistant coach he hired was a good recruiter. Every coordinator he hired, he expected them to help in recruiting. And he himself is a relentless recruiter. He wants to win signing day. Some coaches just want to win Saturdays. And, and I think sometimes... You need a balance between that, right? You can't have a whole staff of Mario Cristobal's, but you can't have a whole staff of Chip Kelly's that just want to call plays either. I, I think this Oregon staff is finding that balance. Yeah, I think that's the important part is that, like you said, you do find that balance. You find, you know, I think for Coach Lanning, a couple things on that. Uh, he's, a, he's a pretty relentless rec recruiter in his own right. Uh, you know, so I don't think there will be an issue there, you know, with that. You will have a, a very good face of the program that wants to recruit. Um, you know, 
I think that it's been shown that you can bring in guys that are are really high-end recruiters that might have absolutely no ties to the West Coast. I think Mario Cristobal and Brian McClendon are two perfect examples of that. Before their arrival to Eugene, they really had no West Coast experience as recruiters. It doesn't matter. They're just good recruiters, and they can get it done wherever they're at. So I think if you're Coach Lanning, you'll be able to do that. Uh, I think being the fact that you're 35 – you might want an experienced coach or two. It doesn't mean you need to keep Bobby Williams, but you might find your version of Bobby Williams. And again, I'm using air quotes, uh, you know, to help you with with some experienced game day stuff. Uh, and then I think you do. I think you do need to find at least a couple guys that do have West Coast ties for you guys that, you know, get the geography, that understand the seven on seven circuit, that understand that the high schools, the the, dy- the dynamics. Uh, it wouldn't even hurt if you had somebody that had a really good understanding of, of Oregon, per se, because, you know, I- I've heard this before and it, and it is true. It's a pretty unique environment in terms of how you recruit and where you recruit. Uh, you know, some of those things are, are very much um, that you've got to learn a little bit. And I think, you know, Coach Cristobal learned learned about that in this time here again i think if you're coach landing you kind of get a blend of those things and, and like you said don't go all you know don't get all chip kelly's you know don't get all dan landing super recruiters don't get <laughs> and at the point don't get everybody in the 30 year old age bracket which he's done so far but um yeah get a, get a blend of all those things and and really make you you know make you have a dynamic staff that would be great great uh, great for him to do in my opinion yeah yeah, and, and I think they're working on that as we speak. Um, so that's our signing day pod. Seven players. We told you about them. We had Don Johnson tell you even more about them. And a big giant question mark on, on who else is going to join those seven. But we'll keep you posted as the weeks progress. Um, I, I think this is a good spot to wrap the pod. What do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's been a great pod. Uh, really fortunate to have Coach Johnson come on and and kind of walk us through the class and give us a little insight to Coach Lanning. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm also appreciative that that you were able to take time and for us to get two pods out this week and, and kind of touching on the coaching hire earlier in the week. And then obviously, you know, signing day, which is a very big uh, day every year. So I'm yeah. um, glad, glad we were able to come together and get two of these out for everybody and uh you know like i said looking forward to an exciting couple of weeks with the alamo bowl and then back in recruiting well when your coach gets uh, a new job across the country and then uh then you you find a new new coach yeah well this happens so <laughs> hopefully we don't have to do this again next year right uh yeah yeah i i would i would do just fine you know if it was a couple years away from having to do this again so yeah uh, uh but I'm not gonna lie. It is it is generally good for business at this time of year. You know, everybody everybody does love a good coaching change as far as business goes. But I'd be uh, I'd be just happy uh, skipping them altogether. Yeah. <laughs> to quote Al Doreen, business is booming. Okay, scoop duck and hi-fi. I'm Matt Bagley. He's Justin Hopkins. We'll be back next time with uh, a normal podcast. A little football, a little basketball, maybe even some spring sports. Yeah, who am I kidding? It's December. Football and hoops, lots of recruiting as well. Stay tuned. Scoop duck and hi-fi. If you have a friend that's a duck fan, send him the podcast. Could be an early Christmas gift. Find us on iTunes. Find us on uh, any app. 
that, that you might peruse for your podcasts. I'm sure we're out there. And if we're not, hit us up on social and, and let us know where you want it. Uh, at Bagley Sports on Twitter, at SD, And then, obviously, he's Justin Hopkins and I'm Matt Bagley on the Scoop Duck site. So you can hit us up there, too. Thanks for listening, and go Ducks. I can get